Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome back to They Defined, the podcast that looks past the binaries that define us to listen to the complex stories that define us. This is part two of my chat with Yomi Adegake. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it. But if you really can't be bothered, here's a quick update as to who she is. She wrote Slay In Your Lane, The Black Girl Bible, where she interviewed a bunch of super inspiring black women to share their wisdom with other black women living in the world today. Yom also writes for The Guardian, Vogue, and many others, and is an award-winning journalist. She's now on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list and seems to be doing more exciting things every day. Part two's a little shorter, but we still touch on the pressure we all feel to name things like our identities or how we feel and how those definitions can get in the way of empathy or permission to grow. And we explore briefly the complexity of what it means to be empathetic. So buckle in, grab yourself a cup of tea and listen to some more of the wonderful Yomi Adegake. sometimes it can feel like there's pressure that if you don't if you're not able to occupy that space immediately or if you're not able to do these things immediately then it's like I don't know like that there's something wrong or like you, you should I can feel there is often a pressure that just doesn't feel fair back to my yeah that pressure to to name something um mm. and, and and it's it's like the the converse part of of what we're saying, like the beauty of getting the right terms for the right things to be able yeah. to describe injustice or just to, to be able to describe oneself. But then it's like getting a diagnosis of depression. Like mm. that is so wonderfully empowering. And you have this name and you have a thing that you can explain yeah. why you don't want to go for drinks or you can get the drugs you need. But then you also almost live to it or you, you try and be that um, be because it's more it. solid. Oh my God. Thank you. This is what I was saying earlier, that I am very, I'm of two minds in this space. Like, sometimes I don't know because, like, where I sit on, I know that, like, representation and naming things and terminology is so important. That being said, I do think that sometimes it leads to categorization that's not Mm. useful. And I say that because I was saying, I was saying this to somebody else the other day because someone asked me, like, you know, about, our book and was like this must be something that you really want like young black girls to read and I was like you know potentially to detriment of myself I genuinely was like I honestly don't know if it's something I'd want young black girls to read black like black women yes but young black girls I don't want them internalizing things yet that they then in they then feel is part of their story the reason I was Mm. able to be so confident and optimistic as a kid living in Croydon of all places and I'd watch people talk about Croydon in a particular way and I'd read you know about like the latest like stabbing that had taken place up the road and could still have this outlook on Croydon that still meant that like you know I live I still live here to this day and like not internalize what it meant to be a young black girl growing up in that area was because I wasn't as aware of Mm. what these elements of who I am are supposed to mean. And I think, honestly, I'm never of the opinion that, like, ignorance is something to hold on to. But as a child, I feel like an idea of 
self-defining and determination is important because I feel like had I swallowed like obviously there were you know there are ways it couldn't be helped because at the end of the day I'm still watching tv and only ever seeing white princesses and I'm only ever seeing black girls portrayed as like best friend characters and of course I internalized all of that but I just mean had I like actually read that like in like black and white that like as a black woman like a perfect example I, I use as well as like dating statistics like I <laughs> as arrogant as it's I didn't realize that like being a black girl was meant like you weren't supposed to date successfully because I was like oh I'm I'm doing fine like so I genuinely <laughs> like throughout pretty much like all of uni was like I knew it on like a very you know nebulous like level but I truly felt like of course I had like confidence issues and self-esteem issues like any other teenager did and of course you know that's compounded by things like colorism and hair discrimination all these kind of things but I grew up thinking I was like super clever, super funny, super great because no one was, I mean, I guess there's loads of like things telling me I wasn't, but simultaneously my parents were like, oh, you're great. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I am. And I feel like if someone's been like, they were great. Like, honestly, they they were like, I talk a lot about my during excellence. Like they were like, they were never like, you've got to do well as a black girl and in spite of it was like no you will do well because you are nigerian like that's all we ever do so you're going to be fine so i grew up <laughs> thinking i was going to like be the best and i'm like if i'd have really ruminated on like all the terminology at such a young age i probably wouldn't have had the confidence i had and like mm. be able to constantly see myself as the exception of the rule which is undoubtedly why i've been able to do what i'm doing because yes i have imposter syndrome but i also grew up really thinking that like i was great <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> and it was like easier to overcome something you didn't know existed because you didn't, Absolutely. like, although it was a reality, it doesn't deny its reality. Absolutely. I knew it existed to like, of course I was like, okay, there's racism, but I didn't know statistically, right? Like black people are this many times less likely, right? And I was like, and this is the thing, it's like I was going to school with like, you know, I went to such a weird school in like such a weird catchment area. So loads of posh kids, posh black kids, posh white kids, working class black kids, working class white kids. There was racism. There were all kinds of things like that went on on that school. But at the same time, I think it was so interesting to just see people from like so many different walks of life, like just, you know, like me and my friend from my secondary school who I've known since I was 11, similar background, immigrant parents. He went to the same school as me, went to the same uni as me, both got like our A stars to go to Warwick. And statistically, we're not the two you'd have picked out to do that because of like, our background our race or whatever but we we did and I think that's why I talk a lot about like Nigerian excellence and Nigerians rarely seeing things in spite of and seeing it as no Nigerians just have to like conquer everything so I grew up being like <laughs> oh no like you know of course I'm gonna like <laughs> and it's, it, it, <laughs> like, it's like almost a question going. of scale you establish little yummy first and then you can become a statistic and overcome but like right that, like the, like that that grand macroscopic view like you can't grow up with a macroscopic view oh my god thank you this is this is exactly why I'm just like I'm skeptical often of like yeah I think I think it can be very empowering as you said like a depression diagnosis so empowering but like I know people who received like borderline personality di um, disorder by diagnoses and then have not known what to do with that information because they're reading about what that says about them and what that mm. means to them and what their life expectancy is and it's just they can't function with it we're in a place where if I'm speaking really frankly like I'm a black woman I'm a black woman of a working class background 
I don't necessarily think, you know, as a homeowner, I'm and an author and a journalist that I can really play the working class card anymore. But I feel like mm. the conversation that we have around, like, because so, we in, we're internalizing a lot of stuff, I think, even as adults that remove us from our tangible reality. So for me, it's like, yeah, yeah like I have all these, you know, things that make life more difficult, but I have so many things that make life more easy. Capital to me, being able to afford things is a really fucking big privilege. But I think we're yeah. getting to the point where it's almost like, oh my God, Beyonce is the biggest victim in the music industry. And I'm like, mate, Beyonce is snubbed all the time. I fucking love that woman. She's incredible. Simultaneously, she's extraordinarily privileged. And that gets removed from the conversation because we're so busy internalizing all the other aspects of her identity that make her yeah. minoritized. It's, it's like that ma macroscopic, microscopic, exactly. the nuance as well. It's all missing. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have it anymore. And it's that thing of words, like the celebration of the words that you talk and, the, the, and write and the stories is that it, it helps an understanding of reality. But then the other, like the other flip side is when it takes you out of reality. Yes, you're really bloody smart, Harry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're really bloody smart. I'm like, where is your thesis on this? Like, seriously, that I'm, is just. I'm right. I'm writing it. I've started my book. Yay! Oh no, Susie, congrats, man. Because honestly, like your thought process on this, I don't know how you're doing this in real time. Because <laughs> it's like I feel like <laughs> it's just so quick, and I'm just like, oh wow, I didn't even think I was saying that. As like eloquently but you're like basically repackaging it in a way that i'm like this is so academic and clever your average person on the street is literally like considered i don't know comparable to like whatever public figure and is held to account in an identical way and i don't know if i agree with that and again i think the conversation around lots of things there's a disconnect from reality there's a disconnect from like what's actually happening because we're looking at our lives and each other through like theory and i think that's not always the best way to, to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, like thinking about it now, like thinking about what you're saying, a lot of times you've said, I don't know. And what I'm hearing, that's like a humble seed for observant writing. Because it says, I don't know, so I'm going to try and describe something. You were saying like, it gives you the opportunity to explain something and have it contested rather than to tell something. Like in, in this conversation, you've never said you wanted to tell people something never never because i just don't know it's why like i'm talking to you and i'm like oh my god harry like i didn't even think of it that way and i feel smarter for coming away from this conversation and that is what i love about people and connecting and sometimes i come away from conversations and feel dumber for the conversation so i'm like <laughs> that was just rubbish but like i genuinely still think that there's value to it and i think what's so scary is like the arrogance of like God, I sound so old, so I'm constantly like, oh, my generation. But genuinely, I think, like, I'm fascinated by many of our peers just in terms of, of the, the the kind of energy they have to say things of such conviction at such young ages. Mm. I do believe that, like, there is an approach right now that I think means that a lot of people are going to not be able to grow from their own misjudgments and mistakes that they are currently making as millennials right now and they don't even realize they're making mm. because the take they have right now or the point they have right now is the current one and i don't think they even realize that we yeah. are going to develop and we are going to grow and i think the most important thing is people getting on board and having permission yeah 
Yeah, right? Having permission to grow, having permission to change. Because I'm just like, I know I'm probably going to have like some article that I wrote in 2021 resurface in 2031 and people will be like, oh my God, that's mental. Like, what was she talking about? But right now it's probably like being praised as like really like forward thinking, but it's probably like really basic and stupid. I don't even know. Like, because I think that like, yeah, I've got this really progressive idea and I just think there has to be space for me. <laughs> I'm saying this, so I'm not cancelled in 2031, but there has to be space <laughs> to just kind of like grow. Grow. If yeah. not, what are we doing? Honestly, like, that's why I say I find it interesting that, like, on the left, be more about, like, rehabilitation and kind of trying to reintroduce people into society and that kind of, like, positivity as opposed to, like, punitive, like, approaches that are just, like, get rid of anybody that's, like, you know, just lock them in this thing because they're not, like... Yeah worthwhile and it's, like, yeah it's almost with with that division and that division that comes with i don't know the groupings of the algorithms and the social yeah. groups and whatever and once again it's like you can only empathize with with your tribe with your people oh God, yeah. and we are multifaceted things that not only are simultaneously contradictory but we're also contradictory across time uh, necessarily and you know what isn't that i thought that was like supposed to be one of the biggest lessons that we as a society and there's a humanity learnt from like atrocities such as the Holocaust, like, you know, that the Germans weren't mon like they were monstrous in in what they facilitated and allowed to happen, but these were normal everyday people. And I think mm. if we remove ourselves from that reality and we which I think is what happens now and we contort people into monsters, we don't understand that how capable society is in terms of things happening again. Because we, we sit there and we go, No, you have to be like this to be able to do this we have to be like that to be able to do this and if you are like a normal upstanding non-racist non-sexist non-this person you wouldn't do it it's just far more complicated than that and i think we actually end up absolving people in many ways by saying that like no this only happened because this person is xyz it's like we can't boil some something down to to algebra like it's not yeah. x does y <laughs> That's or what x oh my do. god but that Zed. is Twitter. That is actually... And it's, like, and, that's, like, and it's like men will be men. Like boys will... That is boys will oh be boys. God, even if it is literally. like, oh, you know, uh, Justin Bieber fans are going to do like this, like, or... Uh, it's really dangerous. We end yeah. up doing like... you Like I, I say this a lot and like, oh God, I wish I could... I've got so much to say, but like, I wish like I could talk about this in more depth because honestly, like I've been saying that we are... We are actually coming full circle like to eugenics in my mind mm. because... We're saying things that are like even positive things like, oh, yeah, all black people can dance. And that's like a real running thing now. And I'm like, OK, I've been to enough raves to know that not all black people can dance. Like, I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even going to say that, that that's the case because it's not. But like the reality is we're getting to like even it's positive. Like I saw this the nuttiest post, which was like these two women in a dress and one was black and one was white. And the white girl was really slim and the black girl had like this like incredible hourglass figure and the dresses look very different and people were basically saying like oh you know like see this is why you need more I can't it was some sort of indictment of like the white model's body and aside from it being yeah. body shaming I was like I know a million and one black girls that are built like this white girl like not myself included because like she really like she was a lot slimmer than I am but I was like okay there was a point in my life genuinely bar boobs like that is exactly how I looked so, like I was a size six I had like a thigh gap I was so skinny I still to this day have no bum so I was like this is insane of course there are more likelihoods than okay it's more likely that if you are you know born in South Africa you might you're, you're potentially more likely to be shaped, shaped like this but to suggest that like 
these things are inherent to me mm. is very dangerous and i was like we're getting to eugenics because we're basically saying like even when it gets to like positive things and we're like oh because black people like this i'm like i'm not here for that at all like as you said this x yeah. versus like x equals y thing and x does y thing where even mm. when we're trying to say it in a positive way is very reductive and very dangerous and in that reduction when we're, we're trying to build belonging it's like we're weighing up belonging versus empathy oh like, my god yes like the simplicity yes. <laughs> of belonging with with the complexity of empathy because empathy is so complicated like there's oh, a reason it's so called difficult. empathy because it's not like connecting with sadness because what no. you're connecting with is not sadness it's humanity it's humanity exactly it's humanity but when you strip like certain groups of humanity regardless of where they are in the pecking order i i think we're getting into really dangerous territory whoever they are if i'm being honest whoever they are when we strip somebody of the humanity and suggest that like which i think is what happens online like with increasing rigor and frequency is the idea that like that we're flattening entire groups into caricatures and cartoons and being like these people be like and it's like kind of sometimes they're kind of funny and kind of like irreverent and like witty and you know water off a duck's back but other times i'm just like I don't know how much longer we can live in a society where we suggest that, I don't know, that like certain people are a certain way and these are the parameters with, with which they can exist and mm. that's that and, and how we don't see that as right wing. Because that to me is like very much conservative agenda being like, you are like this, so you must be like this as opposed to... And thus we do not need to change and the exactly, work is done. Exactly, exactly. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Yomi is wonderful. You've probably already realized if you didn't listen to part one, but it's really worth a listen. So if you haven't, go back and listen to it. And if you have, well, please give it a share. I'm so grateful for every little share and like. So give us a follow on at They Defined as well and subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Until next week, stay well, stay safe and be lovely to each other. Thank you so much.